welcome back. This is the Taffy Train reunion tour. These are my lovely players. Everybody make a noise. Noise. <sighs> Interesting choices. Uh, but I did specify <laughs> noise and nothing more specific than that. Uh, so, yeah. So really you have no one to blame but yourself. Really, you do. <laughs> I mean, I do. Who am I even talking to right now? Well, at the moment, I'm talking to the audience who is listening on YouTube because if you have not listened slash watched the uh, first four games of the Taffy Train, I will link to that in the description because you're going to get spoiled to peck and you should definitely like not listen to this game before those. I'm just saying, you'll get very confused. And uh, yeah, uh, if everybody's okay, I'm just going to crash in with the introduction and then I'm going to ask you to introduce yourselves and your characters, because it kind Crash of... Crash away! Yeah, and we're a little bit late, but it's all good, and that's actually given me more time to get into a good headspace. So thank you very much, everybody. Okay! It has been seven weeks since the events of the ill-fated Taffy Train's maiden voyage, and it shook the Toonkind continent to its core. Thora Z. Scale, formerly one of the most beloved real-kind humans in the nation, has murdered an innocent toon called Victor Tim alongside exploderizing the extremely esteemed train. And she is now a figurehead of anti-toon sentiment. Her disappearance and consequent escape from justice caused a wave of unwelcome emotions among the ordinarily positive populace. Feelings of resentment, rage, fear and suspicion. Businesses at home and abroad also suffered as the stocks in the famous Bacaja Enterprise Empire fell for the first time in history it having been the key financier for the Taffy Train and its multi-celebrity launch. What should have been a momentous celebration of good faith, renewed into national bonds and exciting technological advancement, crumbled almost overnight into broken promises and hasty judgments. But something sinister is at work. Instead of the typically elastic, toonish approach of finding out what to do to solve and save the situation, both the people and the press have clamoured to find somebody to blame Almost as if someone has been suggesting that they should. Yes, everyone loves a villain to take the fall, and with the absence of Dora, the world sought out a more tangible scapegoat to vent their frustrations upon, and after having disappeared for the longest 48 hours of his life, the engineer took the spotlight. Having been blown up alongside the Taffy train, the engineer had temporarily and involuntarily vanished from the world, while his adventure on the never-ending train She's still a work in progress. Uh, time shenanigans. Yeah, this this is like post a lot of stuff that hasn't even been played yet. That's that's going to be confusing for folks listening, but uh, yeah, we move on. The events of the never-ending train actually only come to him now as a muddled and half-forgotten dream, so he can't even like figure out what's going on. Alas, despite surviving the explosion, Dora's prediction of his destruction was proven all too correct all too quickly. His career was in shreds within hours of his reappearance. Seeking both vengeance and escape from their own share of the blame, Screw McCodge's expert lawyers took the engineer to court and within one week had laid waste to the director, taking his share of the ownership of Dodo Studios, his house, and basically any claim to financial dignity he had ever possessed. And yes... They even took his own beloved train, Willow. The papers had a field day, and while a few Starbot supporters shouted out against it, this vindictive wash of unkindness spilled further into the public unconscious. And as if to add insult to injury, a few weeks later, for the very first time in his long and successful career, the engineer did not win 
the annual Avian Film Festival. He couldn't even enter it. The studio refused to complete either of the two films he had created during the past year due to their content being insensitive in the current climate. After all, one featured a train set to explode, being rescued at the last minute, and the second couldn't even be aired, the footage having been recorded aboard the taffy train in its final hours. Neither were deemed suitable for public release, and in a somewhat uncharacteristic show of humility, the engineer wholeheartedly agreed. After this, the director appeared to vanish from the world a second time. But unlike his brief disappearance after the, after the destruction of the Taffy Train Cross Continental, a full three weeks have passed without any sign of his return. So, oh, thank you for being quiet for so long. I'm sorry, that was big. That's where we're at. Most Kept of the... Uh, yeah, just, just to fill you in on where you guys is at, are at before your introductions, most of the court proceedings took place in Toontown due to that being the location not only of the biggest courthouse in Ikewell, but it's also where Screamer Codger's property offices are based and the Dodo Studios. So, that's where you are. During this whole event, the city, and indeed the whole continent, have been under a rather ominously unseasonal cold spell. Not that surprising when you consider most weather events in this Toonkind world abide to emotional atmosphere rather than meteorological phenomena, but yeah. It's snowy and cold, and it doesn't feel like uh, the 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 holiday season. It's just cold and miserable. So, so oh, it's a pretty love. chilly reception. Oh yes. Yes. Okay. On that happy note, <laughs> uh, top to bottom, as tradition, uh, if you can all introduce yourself, your character, and what they've been doing during this seven-week interlude. Hi, I'm Kai. I'm playing Charlie, a worn bard and also the fluffiest cat that can possibly be drawn, despite him not originally starting that way, but people keep drawing him increasingly fluffy, and who am I to and who am I to stop them? We love <laughs> um, him. Charlie Charlie has been uh, he's been busy with his own things. For one thing, he did uh have like a heist that kind of went a little bit wrong and then a little bit good and then a bit more wrong and all of that sort of stuff, which you can listen to in another game when we get around to finishing it. Um, in terms of like the court proceedings and what's been going on with the engineer, he's been doing his best to stay well out of it. He's been keeping an eye on things because he wants to know what's going on. Uh, but as a con artist, getting his face in the papers and in like any uh, like newsreels or anything is a really bad idea for him. So he's been more or less in hiding. Valid perfectly valid especially um yes given your character's character okay and next on the list we have owl have... oh i thought you owl. said kai even though kai just went uh nope <laughs> sorry <laughs> uh, hi uh i'm owl ear no work good um uh my character is uh shorts kid and shorts kid has had um the time of their life in the past in-game month. <laughs> like, first up, something that should have been normal and fun, a train with Train Dad, turned into, like, the worst nightmare because not only did Train Dad, like, explode and the train, but, like, also, <laughs> Lady Who Was Possibly Nice was not nice? And their, like, their special, like, time-space magic isn't working the way it should. Because, like, 
it's not. Inkwell is going wonky, and it has uh, started affecting the space bars, which in turn is affecting Short's kid, who is also emotionally not doing great. So, like, the past uh, three weeks have been an exercise in an eight-year-old trying to come to terms with, like, mortality. Mm. And also, like, uh, having an emotional support snail. (laughs) Emotional support snail is very important. Just to clarify that um, for those listening, uh, yeah, there's these things called space bars that uh, Shorts Kids has had and has been able to rely upon to rewind time, which is really an amazing ability. Uh, But because Anquil is sick, uh, when they returned to get them off their spaceship, where are they staying? Uh, Anyway, their base. Space bunker. Space bunker. That sounds so much cooler. Um, Or like perhaps you went to see DJ Moose to see if he had any. And they've gone all weird and grey and cold feeling. And yeah, they don't work. And there is something very, very wrong with them. So yeah, you have permanence to deal with. And that's a lot. It's terrifying. (laughs) You know when you're a kid and you're pretty sure everything is going to work out because life is all just doing all right. Mm -hmm. Not happening to Shorts Kid right now. Bad time, bad time all around. Uh, Snail, how about you? Well, uh, hey everybody, I'm Snail. I play the aforementioned Snailian, and Snailian has pretty much moved in with Shorts Kid because they are acting as a full-time um, emotional support al- animal. Uh, I mean, alien uh, for Shorts Kid, um, and uh, so that's like what they're mostly doing. They have very regularly used up a spell slot to call on Gregory for like not writing, but like emotional support and i have the feeling if they grabbed charlie's number they do call him somewhat frequently again not to pull him into anything literally just to ask how do i help a traumatized child that's okay Charlie is definitely equipped to help with that. So yes, if you like he you would have gotten his number and he would definitely be there to help if you needed him Um, they've also, um, it's interesting because the press hasn't ever seemed to grab them at all. They haven't been in the papers and yet they quite regularly go to the library. Um, it seems like some of the things that they're doing is like reading up on classic gags, um, just like how to's because they're not going to pull another flub of the good cop, bad cop routine. I mean, they might a little bit because they're still an alien, but but they're trying very hard to learn how to do it toony. Bless um, alien, you're so hung up on that. It feels terrible. <laughs> I promise, as a player, I am no longer hung up about okay. it. It's purely snailian. <laughs> okay, if it's in character. Snailian also like felt the need to greet individually every person aboard the taffy train. So I'm not surprised by this character tick. Also, they do remember that, just saying. Uh, and finally, we have our pièce de résistance, Uni. Hi, I'm Uni. I'm playing Larry Samuel. He is the straight man of Einquell. He is intensely, intensely neutral with all his emotions and all his reactions. 
in the last few weeks, um, he's been not up to anything particularly special. Now, traveling, performing to get some money, not being very good at it. He did kind of get roped into testifying on the engineer's behalf. Kind of would have gotten out of it, except then he realized literally no one else showed up to help. So it was kind of up to him. <laughs> uh, there is someone who's going to uh, definitely have taken note of that. Actually, quite a lot of people, so I'm writing that down. Okay, all right. So uh, that's how we are. That's where we are. And it is a cold night on the northern side of Toontown. There is a touch of snow smearing the air above the famous Mr. Zippy River. And the street lights are casting a weak amber light through this cloying darkness. And the distant clock strikes nine o'clock. The dolorous sound muffled by the heavy white precipitation. It is late. It is cold. But you are together. Uh, why are you out on this chilly evening? You're, you're all together. You may be heading somewhere. Like, have you had a meal together? Yeah, probably. What did you have? I, I, can, I can imagine things may have started with, uh, like, uh, do correct me if I'm wrong, Al, but maybe started with Short's Kid not having a good time uh, Snaily and panicking, Charlie getting roped in, Charlie roping Larry in, and then we're all out in the evening. That sounds very No, that, that sounds legit. <laughs> I was literally going to suggest that because Snailian is like, it's been like degrees of like, as, as like, like literally on the week as each week has passed and Short's kid has not rebounded. Snailian's been getting slightly more worried and slightly more worried and now they're like substantially worried because like th they've been to the library. They've also been reading up on this trauma thing and like, um, so so they're they're now at the point of like help. <laughs> that's that's all totally valid. Also, I forgot to mention this, uh, but I would have given you one for that anyway, Kai. Uh, but because it was Kai's birthday this week, hooray! Happy birthday today! Uh, Kai gets an obligatory inspiration point from the off because that's how I'm doing this. <laughs> Thank you. I get an inspiration point for having my birthday this week uh, or did... last week. Oh yeah, no, that's that's fair. That's fair. It's been very very recent. Uh, yeah, we we have more birthday points. Anybody else want to claim to having a birthday? And I won't check it, so I would probably say yes. <laughs> My birthday was last month, so you already gave me a very pretty drawing for it. Oh, everybody's birthday is this month. <laughs> I always feel like I should give you all inspiration points because of the hammering I gave you emotionally last time. But the thing is, Larry, you're so dependently funny. You're going to end up with an inspiration point within the next 10 minutes, I swear. Same with you, Snail. So, like, it's all right. You'll catch up in no time. Okay. Yeah, no worries. Yeah. yeah. It'll, it'll feel even sweeter because you've earned it. And, uh, yeah, so you're out. You've had... What did you have? Like, were you out for pizza, burgers? What, what was the flavor of the evening? Can I can I suggest that we all actually went to see Cuisine Kit? <gasps> great idea! There you go! Bam! Immediately great idea. Uh, is it inspiration point worthy? Yeah, sure! Have one! <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna, like, give, give Larry one for the first thing he says. <laughs> actually, no, wait! Wait! Larry showed up to defend the engineering court. Inspiration point. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> We're all starting out good. 
And you get an inspiration point. And, and you get an inspiration point. <laughs> I, feel, I feel like everyone getting one kind of defeats the point of the birthday inspiration point, but at the same time, this is a fucking delight and everyone deserves one anyways. I tell you what, like, Kai, because your birthday was so recent, no, and it's I, re- okay. I could not do anything to draw for you. No, I'm really it's sorry okay. about that. It's, no, it's what, okay. uh, shit, zip! I'm the DM. I'm telling you what to do. Uh, your your birthday inspiration point, like, comes with, you know, absolute control on flavour. And also because you're a DM, I know that you will, like, abide to the rules, but also make it juicy. So, like, yeah. Oh, oh dear. You, oh, dear. You, I you have, have too much power here. Yeah, yeah you do. But, like, <laughs> I owe juicy, you. juicy rules. I owe you that for all the times you've helped me, like, uh, figuring out like discord and recording technology as well so like this is like a multiple payback situation uh okay yeah you've gone to see quizzing kit and you you had a lovely time she was delighted to see you all she she was like likewise she saw you in court larry so she's really best buds with you guys uh catched up on the gossip and like told you how professor woodleg is doing oh the owl lesbians are both fine Maisie made a complete recovery because, you know, there's clerics abounding and, uh, yeah, no, she's back to bossing Daisy around, so it's all good. Um, But, yeah, even so, like, this, obviously, they're all going through it a bit and uh, she had no idea where the engineer was if you asked her. And, uh, yeah, so you've come out, you're presumably heading back to your places and a sudden blast of wind compels you to uh, turn to face a bridge that spans the Mississippi River. But in doing so, you see a silhouette that you hadn't noticed before. Uh, It's easy enough to miss in this darkness, but leaning against the bridge's ice-laden metal, there is a short, familiar figure with a saw-blade mouth, a high-collar coat, and a distinctive square-roofed, long-brimmed hat. What do you do? I tackle him. Okay! You rugby <laughs> tackle. Shotskin just like barrels towards this silhouette without like saying anything or confirming anything. And you rugby tackle something that like looks like this. And it's definitely not anybody that you've ever known. You know, like this is a complete stranger. You you completely <laughs> do not recognize this individual. <laughs> okay. Oh man. <laughs> Who is this stranger? What can be done about this? Uh, he just makes a sort of oof sound because he's so, he, like, he'd been taken completely by surprise. <laughs> Googly eye, kill me. I think that Snailian is on Charlie's head just to establish where they are, and they're going to make a perception check. That's a very that good idea. To, like, uh, figure out if somebody's disguised, right? Mm-hmm. Possible. I mean, like, who, who knows who this is? mysterious individual could be <laughs> it's so strange they almost feel familiar a 15 yeah i'm gonna say it does because like you know this guy well enough and googly eyes aside like one of them has come slightly adrift from the impact uh and he he like you can tell like he hesitates on like whether to let the act go on like to try and deny the fact that it's him but he's like oh all right all right hello it's uh, well i cannot deny it's a surprise to see you he's currently lying on the floor yes the engineer is prone uh <laughs> he pulls off the other the other disguise kit googly eye and stands up and brushes the snow off whilst giving a shorts kid a, a, a restrained pat on the head like you know you would have maybe expected a big warm hug but apparently there's yeah there's there's some no restraint only cling now that you look at him perhaps a little more clearly the rest of you even if uh, someone is 
clinging to him like Velcro. He does look a little bit different. Uh, yeah, the last time you saw him, he was full of energy and he had a mole skin textured coat and he was dapper and sleek. He's wearing exactly the same clothes as back then, but they're disheveled, torn at the edges. There's even a couple of those staple roughly sewn on patches that appear whenever a tune is severely down on their luck, you know, whether or not the clothes need it. He does, however, have a nice new scarf, which is pink. His feathers are desaturated and frayed, not grey, but they are certainly sepia. And even though he's, you know, he's got a worn smile, but he, he, he looks like he is actually like trying to smile and he is actually happy to see you. So he's not like at the bottom, which trust me, he has been. Uh, but any which way you put it, he looks pretty terrible. What's, what's Char Charlie's gonna come over and kind of probably help dust him off a little bit after he lands in the snow and everything. It's like, good to see you still alive, but what happened to you, mate? Have you not been reading the papers? I'm surprised at you, Charlie. I thought you were fairly keen on that sort of thing. <laughs> and he's uh, trying to like get back to the sort of witty digging repartee with him, but he's he's not quite into it. And, and, like, he actually, like, gives you a pat on the arm because he's actually really happy to see all of you. Can Shorts Kid pull out a newspaper clipping? Yeah, sure. <laughs> what, do you want uh, me to sign it for you? <laughs> no, just Shorts Kid reaches into their pocket and pulls out, like, a handful of, like, crumpled... It looks like... You know when you have a receipt and you shove it to the bottom of your pocket? Mm-hmm. Yeah. She pulls... Like, they pull those out... And then shove them into, uh, into, uh, oh my god. Charlie? Charlie. <laughs> she pulls them out and shoves them into Charlie's, uh, hand and then continues clinging. Aww. Ch Charlie kind of just looks at him for a second and goes like, Oh yeah, I know, I've been keeping up with the papers, mate, but like, can't exactly read about you when you've just been acting like a ghost lately. Can you blame me for wanting to disappear? Or have you... I mean, well, anyway. Uh, enough about me. I think there's been plenty enough about me. And he gives those uh, give those pieces of paper a side eye, even though he doesn't have any. And he looks up at Larry and he's like, uh, thank you for what you did in court. I do appreciate that. Yeah, don't, don't mention it. How about you? How have you been doing on the uh, music scene? Oh terrible but that's to be expected people mm. aren't really interested in the truth yes that seems to be a trend although there's one reporter and he brings out a, like a little scrap of paper out of his pocket and he says well then shoves it back in his pocket maybe another time i was about to well i'm i'm glad to see you all oh and sneerly and hello i i really i really 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 i could not be more thankful for you and your splendid dragon friend and he's giving you a, a like a, a sort of a you know the old machiavellian trying to get like a deal smile but even then it's like a little bit i don't suppose because you see i was just in the morning and i was going to take the uh the coach up to well as north as it'll take me for five gold coins he literally has five gold coins in his pocket, and that is it, folks. Uh, but it strikes me that a dragon could probably get to the Independent Isles by itself. Uh, I don't suppose you'd be interested in paying that a visit. 
I well, I could certainly try. Um, the thing is that it it only it only lasts for an hour, so I don't I don't know if that would get you all the way. But but I could then use another spell slot and bring it back. But I'd have to like tell Gregory at at the beginning because like he doesn't like it if I summon him multiple times without warning him the first time. You know how it is. Like who wants to be pulled away from their stuff twice? So I I could definitely talk with him and see if there's a time that we could we could like work together and do that. Oh, it's, it's all right. I think I was a bit out of line even asking you. And uh, he looks a bit abashed. And you, you, you know, even though he's like, it, he's gone through some stuff, you can tell. But apparently he's had some time to think about himself and his approaches to particularly hiring people, maybe? Anyway, that's a whole thing. Uh, and yeah, he, he's like, it's, it's fine. Anyway, I am glad to have the opportunity to at least say goodbye to you. Goodbye? Well, I, I mean, he gestures at the city, which is uh, sort of lit up. Like, it's usually more lit up than this. There's usually more of the yellow post-it note lights in these little town windows at this time of night. But it's it feels darker than usual. Like, people have just given up and gone to bed much sooner than they would otherwise. Like, is there any point in it? I haven't even got any money. No one wants to see my films anymore. I've never had the intention of retiring this early, but I just... And my family are up there and, you know, they've been through it and all with the press. I've had it. Mate, if you... No, I can't get you far, but if you need a loan, I can hook you up. Ain't got much, but if you need something. Yeah, well... Nah, I've, I've taken enough from all of you already. And uh, yeah, he scratches the back of his head. He's like, I wish there was something I could offer you as thanks for what you have done. But I if I could only make one more film, I wish I could. But like, <laughs> I don't think wishes come through that quite anymore. And he looks up and you can't even see the stars for there to be a shooting star. Which there probably would have been on another happier evening. Like I know what I want. Oh, I? Well, you've, you've never been backwards at coming forwards. What is it that you want? I want you not to go. Uh, uh, okay. Uh, you want to make a perception check there, short skin? Uh, sure. Hold on. I need to actually, like, there are so many people in the chat that I'm trying to keep track of who's talking and, like, oh my gosh. I, There's I, a lot of it. Yeah, this is why I have to log out of the chat because my brain can't do talking and reading at the same time. It's way, way too much. Did you say perception? Yeah, I think so. Okay. Uh, maybe, maybe insight? Or insight. That's like a... Yeah, yeah, actually insight is probably better. It could be yeah, either. Yeah, I, I get a plus three to insight. You do. Thirteen. Eh, it's not, it's not brilliant, but you definitely hear a repeat of that crack inside him that you heard the first time you met him and said something similarly heartbreaking. Uh, but it's, it sounds like there's not much left in there to break, like it's all pretty shattered already. Like, you know, if you picked this guy up and shook him up and down, you'd probably hear, like, broken glass out the wazoo. Uh, yeah, uh, he, he, he looks like he's desperately trying to come up with a reason to argue against you, but he also can't, like deny that he wants to stay but like 
Yeah, he's, he's, he can't actually reply. I think uh, you guys are going to have to do a bit of work on this guy. I'm sorry. Oh, no, don't well. say that. I'll cry and I don't have any eyes. And yeah, he is actually giving you a hug now. <laughs> no, I... Ha I. You you were in the the train and I tried and... Uh, and Short's kid can't really talk anymore, and instead just kind of burrows uh, their face into uh, his uh, his into Train Dad's jacket. And uh, if he is feeling particularly uh, like uh, perceptive, he will feel tiny, like some some tears, a little wetness. Yeah, he's on his knees now. He's just like collapsed. Uh, and yeah, you uh, just Larry... kind of, you, you feel like, uh, you, you've hugged him before and he is not warm. Larry is, uh, sort of looking up at the, um, uh, the cloudy, snowy skies and he goes, well, your road trip movies are popular. It's not just, oh, golly, you give lovely hugs lassie uh, i mean and yeah he's he's really really trying like you can hear his his throat is like closed up he is having literal physical trouble speaking because he's so moved he's had maybe i could try again but i haven't got a jot of money and more than that my usual sort of film just isn't going to cuss it. I mean, exploding trains and mere there are the last thing people want to see right now, myself included, to be honest. And he laughs at his own expense and, uh, yeah, he's just really, really kind of, yeah, wishing he could give Shortskid a promise to take care of them, but he is not in a financial position to do so right now. Charlie? Charlie, can you lean over just a bit? Snailian, like, if Charlie complies, very gently readjusts um, the engineer's hat, which has gotten a little skew, and they said, and they say, "Well, I have you considered maybe working with other people's movies to like because this wasn't actually your fault. I know that the papers are all lying, except some of them are not, but then that only seems to make the hubbub worse and it's very confusing, but but you, you, it was actually Dora. She was the one who murdered a person and murdered a train, murdered two people really, because the train was alive. But, but if you work with other people just a little bit, people, people, <sighs> People will see again. Truth, truth comes out when after after time, and like it's easy to lie in a second, but it it can't last. Lies don't last because the truth is what happened. You you uh, as as Snailian gives this amazing speech. Oh my god, Snailian is so good at these motivational speeches or lambasting ones, as was last time. That was amazing. Still love that. <laughs> Uh, snarting inspiration. So, <laughs> yes, yeah, snarting inspiration. Um, yeah, you you see like a little bit of color come back to the engineer, and and he really is like, like there's a fight going on inside him because he's really like trying to persuade himself that he's 
got absolutely no right to even try again. But he really wants to. And yeah, it's yeah, he he's he's on the verge of accepting some sort of input, but like again, he needs a little bit of a push. So um yeah, I'm gonna say uh, Charlie or Larry, you wanna go at this. Alright, uh, Larry, did you have anything? Because I do have uh, something, because Charlie actually has a whole heap of money saved up from all his other adventures that I have not gotten around to spending. <laughs> but, uh, Larry, if you had anything else, go ahead. I, I mean, you keep saying, oh, I don't, I can't make the same movies as before. Don't make the same movies as before. Then something different. Oh, different guy now. Yeah, you can as, do something new. I, literally, as you say that, like with every single word, Larry just said, like he incrementally gets a little bit brighter, a little bit brighter, and in fact, like you look at the snow around his knees, and it has actually started to melt a little bit, and his ears are pointing up. Like he is really listening to you, Larry. And uh, yeah, Charlie to try something else. Mm -hmm. All right. Mm -hmm. As like as Charlie's kind of watching this, watching him perk up and everything, he kind of like digs into one of his pockets, uh, and then just pulls out a sack of coins and is and just kind of dumps it in the engineer's lap. And is there's a there's around fifty gold in there, probably a little bit less just from like day to day spending. Uh, and just kind of dumps in there and go like, call it an investment. Got more at home if you need it, but you know, it's a start if you want to make something new. His jaw just drops open. Like, this guy is like um, a fairly big celebrity director. You would have expected he was more used to seeing amounts of money like exceeding this, but like, it, that's more money than he's had available to him immediately in a lot of years. Uh, and he's like, What are you people? And like, he, he looks delighted, but also kind of shocked. And he's like, Well, for a start, you, and he gets up. And Charlie's pointing at you and says, Never put your own movie, I mean, your own money, in the film. You would not cut it as a producer, but I am extremely grateful for that. Um, Larry. Oh, you're... don't worry, my boyfriend's gonna kill me for it later. Oh, well, you'll have to tell me about him later. <laughs> Invite him over for dinner. Uh, but, uh, Larry, you are a sage. You are a sage, and I really do need to step out of my comfort zone not that i've been in it for the past seven weeks snailian i think you would like probably do well on the governmental committee i think you've got a a calling <laughs> somewhere in that and uh i you know what this would you mm. no 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 and he's like he's really starting to think now and he's like no no what this world needs right now is a story it does. It needs a story. I can't run away from that, can I? That's my... That's actually what I'm supposed to do, isn't it? What this world needs is a story about what's really important. Like you. Faith, trust, open-mindedness, open-heartedness, patience, courage. You all represent that. And we need... We need... This world needs a film about unconditional platonic love. And as the engineer paces up and down, you can practically hear the cogs turning and the pistons firing as his brain begins to tick. And I have to say, like, the engineer, if you'd done a medical check, was suffering from exhaustion. He's not anymore. You fixed him. Congratulations. 
And like, yeah, he's back. He's back, baby. And he's like rubbing his hands together. We need a story about helping those who are in need against the odds, finding purpose and support and other people. Ah, it's gotta be full of altruism. Aye, a real tearjerker. Oh, it'll have action and drama. Oh, and comedy too. We need a bit of a laugh right now. But through and through, it's got to be about the heart. I need to make a movie about family. And he takes his hat off and holds it in front of his chest in, in a, a plea, like a respectful plea to all of you. And despite this vulnerable gesture, you are struck by how grimly determined and serious he looks. I cannot promise I'll succeed. I'm not even sure I'll be able to turn a profit to pay you back. But will you help me? Please. Yes. Whoa, that was fast. <laughs> Stalian says yes. And like, like they like, they're like waving their little nubbins like right at their, at, at their hips, sides. It's like that when you're trying to not wave your hands around, so you're just like wiggling them at your side. Snailian is so ready to help train dad. Yay. Anybody else want in on this heartwarming scene? <laughs> Already given uh, you fifty gold. That's true. I'm in. Uh, all this time you've been describing how Train Dad has been like moving, getting about, uh, emoting. I would like to just posit the gag that uh, I said Shorts Kid was clinging. Mm -hmm. Shorts Kid was clinging the whole time <laughs> and is still holding on. You are going to have to roll something to get out of Short Kid's grapple. He's not gonna. <laughs> uh, that's wonderful. I I'll take that as a yes from you. Good grief, you've got strong arms for a wee thing. Larry just sort of looks at the group because I got nothing else going on. like clamps their their hands over their well over their mouth but over their helmet because because they're just so happy everything has been dark and grim and and hard and traumatic for weeks and now everybody's just feeling that little bit better and snailian can't even take it <laughs> at that amazing laugh like the engineer roars with laughter and you know, there is something very train-like about this because you're in the cold and there's this smoke and steam coming up from around his feet where he's been marching up and down and out of his mouth and you feel like maybe a little part of the Taffy train is still alive and he says, All right, let's make a movie. All right, all right, uh, picture this. The premise is a homeless tramp, he points to himself rather modestly, who comes across an adorable wee orphan living on the streets, so he points to Shorts Kid, and the two adopt each other. The vagrant tries lots of ways to get enough money to look after the kid, and you can tell he sort of nearly said adopt, but he had to keep away from that because he can't make promises that he can't keep. And uh, this kid, who's always trying to help him with these odd jobs and to escape when they inevitably go wrong, and he's got to escape from, ah, a grumpy deadpan policeman. And he gestures affectionately at Larry. I reckon that's a good pitch to start with. I'll see if then I can call in a favour and get hold of a typewriter to figure out the rest. As for you lot, number one. Get a camera. So, I'm going to split all of these, like, 
how to make a movie tasks into parts. And uh, the first roll is going to be Charlie. I need you to roll luck to search for parts. And I think, you know, you could argue that you might have even advantage with your connections. Uh, so, yeah, you have to find bits and pieces that you can put together. And if you want, you can spend some of your 50 gold. Okay. Well, like, again, that was 50 gold that I just gave straight up to uh, the engineer. But... I was not expecting that at all. <laughs> Charlie, Charlie has had, like, over 300 gold just sitting in his inventory for ages now. I just have not had anything to spend it on. So this is a good excuse. Excellent. Also, uh, y'all so don't know say... how rich Alibi is right now. The guy is loaded. Anyway, <laughs> carry on, Charlie. Don't say that out loud. He might get robbed. Oh, it's possible. Uh, all right. So when when you say a lock roll, just like straight D twenty. No, because you've established that he's a lucky character, so you get a plus three. Hell yeah! And you already said with advantage. So let's let's see if that turns up. Yeah, that's good. a fourteen already. Not bad. That's a seventeen. Seventeen. 17 that's really good. Okay. Yeah. You you not only like um, get enough bits and pieces to put again uh, together one camera, you get enough for three for a seventeen, and you have enough for a mic. So you know if you'd rolled really badly twice uh you would have had one camera and no sound which is fine he can do a silent he's done many of those uh but yeah you actually get three functioning cameras and a good uh, sort of boom mic put uh or at least the pieces of it because the next roll we have to do is snailian uh you need to roll intelligence to help the engineer put these things together okay and again uh if you really want you can have advantage because a you like have proven that you know about this sort of technology also you have the engineer like there helping you to put this together i think also, i will sorry brain cell <laughs> yes that's, that's for a specific purpose but i do i am holding it not using it so i will take that what that's a dirty 20 so i might actually not need to take that advantage i'll i'll just i'll just give the good luck to whoever's rolling next um yeah sure pass that luck on if you like and uh yeah the engineer is very impressed with the uh the progress that you're making and it's quite funny because you know he's going between uh typing up the the script and fixing like he's basically typing with one hand and helping you with the other and uh while you're doing this the engineer sort of remembers something he's like oh that's right ah the last from the police i've had quite a lot of conversations with the metropolitan upholders of the peace and uh, he puts his hand in his pocket he said, well, you remember you crashed into their station, all forgiven and forgotten, I would like to point out. Um, they found something that they think probably belongs to you because none of us know what the peck this thing is. And, uh, well, oh. and he, here you go. And uh, he, he hands you what looks like a little rubber fish. And I'm going to say that you recognize this because this did come from your spaceship when it crashed. This is the Babble Fish. This rubber fish with a suction cup mouth can be applied to a space helmet or directly into your ear and used once per long rest to translate any language and allow the user to speak it. And that is yours forever. Oh! Oh, I... Well, I... They were supposed to take it because, like, they had to they had to remake the building, so that's why they took all of this stuff that did... They're giving me back it? Well, and he's scratching the side of his face. Saying, I might have mentioned one or two things about you, and they might have mentioned one or two things about you. And you know, on the whole, a fever is a fever, and we think you are going to get more use out of that than they are. 
be trains, do crime. <laughs> <laughs> so, if once per long rest, translate any language. Any language, and you can speak it as well. Uh, so, yeah, that's like a, a free language slot, basically. Nice. Mm-hmm. Just go stick it in your ear. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I want to be clear, Snailian does stick it on their helmet, but they stick it on the inside of their helmet rather than the outside. So this is just a little fish buddy. And like, Blum. they have absolutely named it. Give me a couple seconds to figure out what they named it so everybody else continue doing your thing, but they have absolutely named this guy. And they're like, a little bit teary that they get their buddy back because they consider everything their buddy. Considering that the dragon is named Gregory, I mm-hmm. feel like we should uh, end up calling the the helmet fish something like similarly mundane. You oh, think Gregory's a mundane name? <laughs> Call it what? <laughs> okay, so while Charlie and uh, Snailian and the engineer are like doing all this, Larry and Shortscud, you're off on a sort of group outing together. And uh, Larry, this is partly because you are going to be in charge of music as well as being the comic relief uh, policeman in the movie. And you need to find a way to make and record some music. And uh, you also need just generally more hands on deck for background characters and film crew. So you and Shortskid, because Shortskid is good at talking to people, uh, yeah, you're off to Dodo Studios, and uh, the engineer hasn't specified that you have to talk to DJ Moves, but you can talk to people there. So, uh, yeah, you, you're approaching the Dodo Studios, and I would like you to make a perception check. Okay. Oh. Oh. And... That's a ten. Yep. A thirteen. Alright, so you're not being too observant, perhaps you're just very excited or maybe like a little anxious about this. Like, I mean, Larry, you've you've done gigs, but I don't suppose you've done a movie soundtrack before. Like, you're gonna do the whole soundtrack, dude. How are you feeling about that? That's definitely a, a bigger task than he's used to. So yeah, he feels a little out of his comfort zone and no, you... You couldn't probably tell by looking at him, but he is sort of nervous about it. <laughs> oh, baby. Uh, and likewise, Shorts Kid, how do you feel right now? Like, a lot has happened. <laughs> uh, Shorts Kid is, um, like everything else in their life, when it gets a little too stressful to deal with, pretending that everything is fine, uh, just dog on fire meme. Uh, <laughs> because, like, Shorts Kid has, like, two ways to deal with trauma. One is being really sad and quiet about it because they don't know how to process it. And the other is to not process it. Mm. Yeah. So Shorts Kid is just, like, uh, holding Larry's hand as uh, they drag him through the, like, into the studio, maybe a little bit too tightly. Like, uh, this kid has, like, a minus one to strength, but you would not guess it but l- by, like, their grip right now. And uh, just, um, there's an odd thing about Shorts Kid. Their eyes, the the Slara, the white part, have been uh, galaxy-colored uh, for the past two weeks, I want to say. Like, the first week... Uh, normal color but then eventually something just kind of snapped and now uh 
they've been galaxy colored. Uh, they've also started wearing uh, knee pads, elbow pads, uh, keeping closer tabs on their friends. Uh, just, it seems like this kid who previously didn't really like think too much about like staying safe or uh, what would happen if other people weren't safe is now almost kind of obsessed with it as a way to like cope with the fact that like saw like their friends all be in mortal peril and also their dream dad literally like explode yeah that 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 tallies and yeah i'm really sorry because that sounds cool and traumatic and baby and galaxy eyes awesome but also i'm now here with like shorts kid doing the radical uh skateboarding safety videos (laughs) with like you know when knee pads it's cooler than not like not having your kneecaps anyway uh so yeah you approach is the raddest thing of all that's exactly it and then larry does a sting on his his electric guitar anyway we're getting off track again but uh yeah you approach those studios you're not feeling too observant however even even with a 10 and a 13 you notice the atmosphere at the very least because like this place is usually buzzing even if you know larry you may never have been here before but you know it's a movie studio dude everyone is a moving and a shaking i am going to put that nothing in life matters into the video god damn it out <laughs> anyway um <laughs> It's, that I is still the perfect love that. like combo of short skin and Larry's <laughs> Yeah, that's exactly it. Optimistic nihilism for the win. Uh, yeah, so you you go into the studio and it doesn't feel like a movie studio. There's like even though the engineer isn't working there anymore, he doesn't even own like the place anymore. Like there's still a bunch of owls kicking around. Like you you feel like they're waiting for him to show up, like hoping he'll show up, and like somehow like a miracle will happen. They'll all be being shouted at to get back in their places and start filming straight away, or he'll kill them all. Um, but yeah, it, it, there's like someone playing a, a mouth organ in the corner. It's like super bummed out prison feeling. Uh, and yeah, even the penguins who are like supposedly working on a movie are dragging their feet and the music you can hear isn't as iconically poppy as usual. It's like, yeah, everything kind of sucks. So you're at the studio and you need to, yeah, find equipment and like maybe like hire a recording sound booth and you need to like if you can persuade some of these uh kicking around out of work workers to come and help you i'm back (laughs) actually that's that's true because as soon as you've like walked in the door like some people looked up expectantly and then are disappointed because it's not the engineer but then they do a double take because it's you two and like, yeah, you fairly quickly get, a, a, not all of them, but you get a crowd around you and they're all like wishing you well and hoping you're okay and asking if you're okay and then asking, have you seen the engineer? Hey, Debbie. Uh, yeah, um, uh, he's... Uh, he's someone who looks a lot like him. There's a sort of confusion uh, at that response. Like, it, it, there's a sort of hopeful and then a what? <laughs> Uh, Shorts Kid squeezes Larry's hand and then says, it's okay, they're, they're all on the, um, uh, the up and up, like, they're all good, uh, cause, um, 
uh, Debbie helped me with my uh, my thought wall when I was trying to find uh, Train Dad, and uh, then we got uh, Georgie and uh, 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 Tilly, and they're they're all good. They're they're good, and um, they were on the train too. So, and uh, Shorts Kid just kind of like uh, shakes themselves to like get out of it, and then uh, heads a little closer to uh, one of the aforementioned owls and says, uh, "Do you know where DJ uh, Moves is? Because like um, uh, we gotta ask about something that I think he'd be like really interested in." Because, like, uh, he said if there was anything, like, uh, that he could do to help uh, with Train Dad, like, and I have something he can help with. So, like, yeah. yeah. The owls, and then the owls look at each the... other and sort of do the, are you sure you want to? Okay. And, yeah, they, they start leading you off towards uh, where you probably remember G.J. Moves' office is. Uh and yeah, again, they're kind of confused. Like that, they, they they want to like understand and believe that the engineer is like working with you guys or something, but they they can't actually like get a read on what's happening. However, you now have like a train of owls and penguins following you. So uh, this is how you get through the studio. I mean, there's a little bit of jumping involved because like just a surprising amount of pits in here, but like everything's pretty close together so like it's not hard to get around usually i go through the air vents to get into the main rooms but like recently they've been leaving the doors open which is really nice and um uh it's weird but it's nice and uh well if you look around uh on the left uh of the studio is the left door leads to um uh, and Shorts Kid goes on explaining how uh, the studio is, like, set up. I'm leaving the rest to you to, like... I, I'm not going to describe your map for you. And, yeah, I was about um, to say. It's okay, because, yeah, like, I, I'm just going to, like... I'm going to fast forward you, because, like, yeah, Larry, you get the Shorts Kid tour of the studio, which is a lot more winding, jumpy, and death-defying than it needs to be, because, you know, there are, like, normal walkways that, like, the <laughs> staff are allowed on. And, you know, Shorts Kid is, yeah, like, bouncing. Larry, Larry's glad they're allowed in through the door, because he's a pretty athletic guy. He's also much, much larger than Shorts Kid. So. I can kind of just <laughs> see Larry... I can ju just see Larry and, like, the owls and everybody else, like, walking the normal way while Shorts Kid is giving this verbal tour of what they're doing, which is, like, trying to avoid all of the normal places that you walk. But, you know, they're a kid, and that's actually how kids behave. <laughs> so it, it it tracks. Anyway, eventually you, you find DJ Moose's office, and uh, they kind of, like, the crowd that has gathered around you, who has increasingly understood that there might be, like, some sign of the engineer, and they may even... Like, there might be a project happening. There's a lot of whispering happening behind you. Uh, and, yeah, they're, they're not going anywhere near the office, though. They've kind of abandoned you near the door. Anna? Uh, door. Yeah, uh, there's, there's a sort of pause and then a sort of... Come in. Uh, Shorts Kid just pushes open the door and uh, walks in, in and then straight up jumps onto the desk. Oh, it's you, darling. And, uh, yeah, DJ Moves looks sad. 
That's like the only way to summarize this because he doesn't usually look sad. You've never seen this guy looking so sad. Like even his afro is kind of droopy. And uh, yeah, he's he's not composing music. He's just kind of idly pushing up and down one of the uh, the audio equipment sliders. Uh, like he's not even working on anything. Like you've never seen him not working on something. Up. Hello. No, nothing but the ceiling, baby. What's uh, what's happening, kid? What can I do for you? Uh, shorts kid uh climbs on over and then uh just kind of uh uh you know how like just splat hands on either side of uh the the penguin's face <laughs> uh and says. I got something I think you're really gonna be interested in. Uh, the the sunglasses sort of comically slide down his beak slightly, and he's like, "I really hope that it's something impressive because it's gonna take an awful lot to cheer me up." Also, Larry, you may be interested to note that uh, in this little sort of it's like a sound booth, mixtape, DJ desk, and an office, uh, but there is a shiny golden award. Uh, of the avian uh film awards uh sort of description and it's like it's on a shelf but it's kind of pushed to one side it's it's not like in a prominent position it's kind of like eh. congrats he actually doesn't say anything to that yeah that's about what larry expected mm-hmm, mm-hmm. anyway i uh, Yes. How uh, would you uh, like to help make a movie? He looks completely nonplussed. He says, darling, I've been making movies for 40 years. I... No, no. Help make a movie. Help make a movie? And you you see the one plus two equals three equation, like, appear above his head in, like, floaty thought bubbles. And then they all pop. And uh, he he's like he sits up a bit and he's like, "Are you saying what I believe you are saying?" Uh, and then there's that little diabolical shorts kid grin, and uh, they lean back and just kind of sit on the sound mixing table, which can't be good for it, <laughs> uh, swinging their legs back and forth, and they're like, "I might be saying what you think I'm saying if you're listening." Persuade me. And literally, uh, what you two are going to have to do is roll persuasion. Because uh, even though he is interested now, you you still have to persuade him. <laughs> Larry's strong suit, certainly. Mm-hmm. You can do whatever you like to persuade. Like, you could intimidate him if you want, Larry. But, like, <laughs> another thing another thing that Larry, you specifically could do is uh, perform. And if he likes your music, that would be a big plus. Damn it. Nine ain't gonna do it. He's heard it all before. Oh. Sorry, darling. That pitch is very old hat, and I'm the oldest hat of all. What about your tall, dark, handsome stranger? Well, let me set the scene for you. There's this bird is run out of motivation and he strikes a dramatic chord on his banjo. Yes. 
and he basically spins spins the tail of uh, the lonely, miserable bird down on his luck, run out of ideas, but from from nowhere comes the band of inspirational strangers who mm. band together and make a plan, but all they need to get this done is a little more help from strangers who have become their friends. <laughs> uh, this is very good uh i you roll whatever you want but i will say with something as strong as that you get advantage for sure okay uh his performance is still plus zero <laughs> well that's it like you can so, either do performance or persuasion i think that would be fine with either plus zero so it doesn't matter it's up to you like in your oh, heart wait, choose inspiration I have inspiration. <laughs> you do, but you can roll first and see if you need it. Yeah. Oh, a two. Yeah, you I might need it. That didn't help. A one. Are you I'm going to use that inspiration. Holy That's a two crap. and a one. <laughs> actually, you know what? This is actually funny. Can I keep those? Because what happens is you do this and then you suck so bad that it's... <laughs> you suck so bad that it's funny. Like, you make this guy weep with laughter and he just like puts his flippers up he's like stop stop i can't take it anymore i'll do whatever you want just stop and then he's like he's like i was gonna do this anyway sweetest but my goodness you do need the help hang on sweetie i've got something for you where did i put that thing and he's rummaging in every drawer in this place it's like really it's really like a mess actually <laughs> oh boy and yeah no but you've given him a really good life and he reaches into one of these drawers and he brings out something it's small and it's triangular it's kind of a little bit glowy and he hands it to you and larry you know immediately that this is a guitar pick this is the pick of destiny and uh, <laughs> anybody gets that reference i'll be very pleased okay so <laughs> you now have larry the pick of destiny which adds a plus four to performance once per long rest because I figured that you would probably need something for your performance, considering you have a plus zero in it. Yeah, yeah, that would be a big help. Yep, anyway, but it's once per long rest, so use it rightly. Uh, and he says, all right, okay, you got me. Just don't tell him that I helped you, okay? You just say it was the little guys, you know, they're, they're, they're cute. He'll, he'll allow that. I don't know if his pride would suffer the indignity of me, glorious moi, being so generous. I'll get my payback from what he did to me before, but, you know, a lot happened, so let's just keep this on the quiet, hun. Uh, Short's kid hops down from the table, runs over to the, the door to the office, tosses it open and says he's in and there is an <laughs> enormous cheer there's like a sort of Aah! like there's party poppers going off and balloons from somewhere someone got balloons anyway that's great <laughs> and uh this is fantastic because uh especially with like yeah <laughs> that amazingly bad role actually did the best thing it possibly could so yeah you have got really good thanks to Snailian's amazing technical uh, abilities you've got really good cameras you've got uh, more sound equipment now thanks to uh, the, the dodo studios being so generous you have extra hands to uh, help on set and be background characters 
and the script is finished. So, uh, here we go. We are making a movie. The engineer is so happy. He's so proud of you. But, like, there's no time. You just gotta get on with the show because, like, 50 gold coins ain't gonna go far and even Dodo Studios isn't looking too good on the uh, financial front considering the beating that they've taken. So, uh, yeah, what we have to do is Shorts Kid and Larry, I would like you both to roll uh, performance or acrobatics. This is rehearsals, so this isn't actually like filming yet because uh, one of you is playing, you know, a protagonist and one of you is playing the goofy bad cop uh, who is not actually too bad of a guy, but you get lots of stunts. I am rolling acrobatics because <laughs> I get I a plus six and goddamn if I'm not going to use it. Suspected Same. that both of you would take that. <laughs> yeah. Oh! And oh! Now I get my next one. Dirty 20. Oh my goodness. You are incredible. Like, yeah, you, you just absolutely nailed this from day one. You were born to do this. And uh, the engineer remembers, uh, Larry, your amazing performance on that final day, even though it was a disaster. He won't forget a good actor, and he knew immediately that you were a good pick for this. But he had no idea how good you were at stunts, like, because he never saw you fight. He, he didn't know that you could do this. So he's so excited, and uh, yeah, he, he wishes wholeheartedly that uh, he had the ability to sign you up for, like, another four movies, but he can't, like, do contracts at the moment. You do, however, get... <laughs> you do, however, get a business card, so you have that as, like, a proof Great. of your connection, and you can get in touch with him any time, and, like, if he ever makes a future movie, you will definitely be allowed to. Uh, Shorts Kid, he's just so proud. He is the proudest father. He is, like... He keeps having to walk out of range of the cameras because he's glowing too much it's like throwing the lighting balance out it's <laughs> it's almost a problem uh so yeah that's that's great we don't have to do anything else with you uh Snailian and charlie uh i i think this is going to be again a straight intelligence role because you both have to learn to use the camera and audio equipment and uh charlie you're gonna have a conversation with the engineer in a minute but he is basically not at all going to make you be on camera at any point. He learned his lesson there. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> Charlie has absolutely no advantages to intelligence, so that's an 18! Yeah. Charlie's not pulled out. Oh, 15. 15. That's okay. That's she, okay. She, she did really good on building the thing. She she's she's still learning the whole using it. Yeah, and that that like honestly that works because you're a snail. You're really small, so it's kind of tough. Uh, and in fact, like basically, uh, again, a lot of this is rehearsal. Like some of these clips are good enough with those acrobatic roles to like be edited into the film. So like none of this is getting thrown away. Uh, but yeah, uh, Snailian, you get a little bit of coaching from the engineer. So uh, the next time you make a role with this sort of camera equipment, which you may need to in the short future, you will get advantage because you had uh, extra coaching. But yeah, Charlie, you're just you just nailed it. You were really good, and uh, yeah, you you all film the first scene, and you you've never seen the engineer work before, but here you get to see the economical genius of this uh, thrifty director here. 
as the whole operation of the opening shot is done in close-up to give the impression of a train arriving at a station, but you don't actually see the train. The shot is focused on the ground, where there's some rails showing, and then you see the shadows of a freight train rolling and then coming to a stop. And this is where your audio equipment comes in really good, because the foley is what sells this shot, because it feels and it sounds like there is a train when there is nothing but large cardboard cutouts being passed along it. <laughs> and after this comes to a stop and the, there's a big of steam, we see the feet of the engineer landing in the rubble, followed by a pan upwards as he's brushing himself off to show the ragged details of his clothing, with the shot ending at the very top of his head, just the iconic hat and his ears framing the bottom of the screen. And yeah, this is like the, the director in the film making a statement of where he is as a person. So, like, artistically, this this film is a statement for a lot of reasons. Uh, and uh, <laughs> Charlie and Larry, you, you help sell the illusion of this train by hitting the ground with mallets, I imagine, because, you know, we need to have those stones vibrating. And, uh, yes, we get the impression that the train has set off again. And the camera cuts back to a very wide view with this tiny figure who's almost lost in the background of this great city. A very unfamiliar landscape for this man and his movies. It is not a Western film. Immediately from the off, he's making that statement. And, you know, it very much describes the alienation of this character and, of course, the artist at this point in history. The movie proceeds to show the tramp, who has clearly hopped off the exterior of this unseen train after riding it for free, and he goes to the Lost and Found room. And the camera lingers on the Lost and Found sign because that is the title of the movie. What could be better? And he meets Larry, the policeman, who's on duty in the Lost and Found room. And there's a comic scene where the engineer bluffs his way into claiming ownership of a large trunk, which clearly isn't his, but he supposes must be valuable, so he manages to get it. There's a subsequent set of gags with this short character having to manhandle and carry. This extremely heavy case is very Charlie Chaffinch or Buster Kitten. And uh, it variably involves crushing him and skidding down sloped pavements and this case almost ends up in the river. And then he's like, oh, he's so sick of this, but he opens it. And we see the contents, which is a rather bashed about looking child. And the kid is homeless as well and is hidden in this large trunk, hoping that the owners would bring it inside their house where they could hide and maybe steal some food. And there is a very touching little scene where you can tell immediately that these two are like souls. And he says, cut! Brilliant! Everybody take five! That was amazing! Oh, darling, you are a natural! And uh, Shorts Kid, you get the biggest hug. And uh, yeah, he's he's just walking around praising all of you. And uh, he's not a bard, but because you all rolled so well and you did such a good job at any point, like for any saving throw or attack roll, you now have a uh, free d6 that you can add. So uh, everybody make a note of that, because you basically have bardic inspiration, because you guys did so well! Yes! Very impressive. So... Honestly, this is like, <laughs> this is all going so well. I'm I'm very pleased for you. Uh, but what happens now is like, uh, Charlie, after filming this scene successfully, the engineer pulls you to one side and he makes sure that none of the other crew are around and he clears his throat in a slightly awkward manner. He says, Charlie, I just, um, I just wanted to have a word with you about what happened back then. And 
he takes a moment to commit to the statement and to apologise. To you. To all four of you, but most of all to you, laddie, having been a self-directing lead actor in most of my films, as you've seen, I've been finding it a bit difficult to delegate, to trust my actors to do as pure of a job as I demand of them. After all, I have high standards and no intention of letting them slip. However, I have come to accept that some of my methods of extracting the most genuine performances from others may have been a little, well, extreme. Now, uh, before I continue, I need you to understand what I do not apologise for. And that is where I am coming from as an artist. You said before that you believe all actors are liars. Do you still hold to that? Oh, absolutely. As a self-confessed liar, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> he makes a sort of hissing sound and like shakes his head a little. It's like, well, there you see, on a fundamental, philosophical level, I have to disagree. See, to me, acting, real acting, real storytelling is not lying, but truth. Art could be described as a lie employed to tell the truth, but I mean more than that. A true story, whether or not it happened in any version of reality, resonates and he taps you in the middle of the chest. It rings out like a bell and strikes true in every soul that it touches. I'm sure you've read books or heard music or seen a work of art that has moved you in some way. That's that's what I'm talking about. That truth, that clarity. It's, it's a purity. There's an honesty to it. It's what I've always sought to bring to my movies. And fine, so a movie might not be real in that it's made of shadows and lights and props and actors, but that doesn't mean it isn't true. Does that, does that get through to you at all? Well, it's, uh, well, it's not a black and white matter, matter is it? Because it's not just like, okay, yeah, something's a true, something is true, or something's a lie. Because then you get stuff like, uh, uh, lies of omission. You got, which is like technically lying, but you're not li- actually not telling them the truth. You're just leaving bits out. And then you have, like, well, you have the whole area I tend to work in, which is telling people the truths they want to hear, but uh, whether or not it's factually actually correct. Uh, it's I think you like the, uh, the misstep we've got here is that you think lies are a bad thing he looks mightily puzzled at you I cannot figure you out anyway it doesn't matter my apology still stands I've given you my point of view you've given me yours it all works anyway the thing is, ordinarily, I put my actor th- through the paces to achieve that perfect resonance that I am striving for. But in your case, because none of you were actors, and I hadn't chosen any of you through an audition or the like, I I went a step further, which was, I admit, a step too far. You see, that whole golden ticket business that brought you all above the taffy train... May she rest in peace. That was nothing to do with me. That was all McCodger. And I just bent it a little towards achieving my own ends. And the same goes for all that contract nonsense. Those were set up in order to see if... Well, they were set up for someone else. It doesn't matter. Tell you the truth. When I first realised you hadn't used your real name on yours, and he's laughing again, like, I couldn't have cared less. 
I don't care who you are or who you were. Pep, I mean, do you think I was born being called the engineer? <laughs> Names are just props. That doesn't faze me. But when you came storming into the engine room looking like you were going to throw the whole movie out of joint with your wee tantrum. He throws his paws up with a shake of the head. Well, I couldn't allow that. So I improvised. I used what I had and I used it against you. Which was wrong. And for that, I do apologise. Your privacy is your own. And to make sure that it is not compromised any further, he brings something out of his pocket. And it looks like a wristwatch. And he hands it to you. I couldn't have done it without him. But when I mentioned how I wanted to make things right, the uh, Professor Woodley gave me a hand with making this. And uh, he never really got to speak with you after all. So he wanted to contribute. And, uh... You have a wristwatch now. It's a plain gold wristwatch with a blue leather strap. If you look closely at the watch, however, while it does tell the time, it also has four different colours listed in place of the four main numbers. And they are calico, black, white and ginger. And the engineer taps the dial. You turn the winding mechanism on the side so as the minute hand points to one of these colours, then you press it twice. Uh, give it a go. Charlie immediately changes it to ginger. And lo and hold, you are Charlie the ginger cat. He says, hey, there you are. You put it on and you'll wind up being a cat of a different colour. You wear that while we're filming. And that way, if you do somehow end up on screen, your own reflection wouldn't recognise you. Uh, I gotta, I gotta give Charlie's uh, reactions to all of that stuff because, like, um, throughout all of that, he was definitely listening. He had a pretty unimpressed look on his face through a lot of it. He was really listening, but um, it's like this was obviously a bit of a pre-rehearsed speech for mm -hmm. the engineer, and better to kind of just, while he would like to make little interjections and everything, he's like, no, no, this is this is the engineer trying to say a thing. Okay, Charlie will shut up and listen. And um, he was at the end of it. He probably was gonna say some stuff about like, okay, yeah, thanks for the apology. Um, still not massively impressed with what happened, but also he knows that sometimes uh, when there was a plan in place, sometimes stuff goes on. It's like he had all this sort of stuff in mind, but then there was the watch, and then he could be ginger. So he's just gonna like spend the rest of the day like flipping through all the colors, and you're gonna start <laughs> thinking that there are just like four separate cats on set as well as like anyone else because you have no idea which one Charlie is at this point in time because he's just like changing it every minute <laughs> and if Charlie bless your soul you had made an insight roll you'd probably realize that this pre-prepared speech and then the immediate carrot given as a reward for all the stick you had before was definitely done on purpose because he knew you would immediately be distracted by it <laughs> so too easily distracted with shiny or cool things. Oh, he's not a wily granddad for nothing. Anyway, yeah, filming continues. Everything is great. Uh, I'm just going to do one little extra thing and then we'll like have a five minute break and talk about if we want to continue or do this in the next session. But uh, the last thing that really needs to be done is promotion because you need people to know that this movie exists. You need people to show this movie where it exists. So you will need to make posters, props, and leak information about what is going on. And you can now roll whatever you like. This is all four of you. You can roll performance or persuasion. Like If you make an argument for it, I'll allow it. And uh, yeah, this, this is to see how well your promotion goes. I'm gonna roll Arcana. Yeah? 
Sure, what's the reason? You do have to give a reason. Uh, space bars still aren't working quite correctly, but Shorts Kid feels like if they really concentrate, maybe they can transport these posters through time and space so that uh, when someone really needs to see this film in the future, just like by sheer coincidence of the universe, meshing gears or whatever, actually a child trying to uh, teleport paper, um, uh, they'll see this and be like, oh my gosh, it's like destiny. Like, have you ever seen in a movie where like a, a poster or something comes fluttering down on the breeze and then smacks the character in the face and yes. then they're like, oh boy, that's so relevant to what I need. That's perfect. I will 100% allow this. And uh, yeah, how how about the rest of you? Uh, Snailian, how how are you promoting the movie? Damn it. Oh, that's an 11. Some of the pieces of paper hit their target. Some of them just end up going down the gutter. So like, there's a bit of a financial loss there, I think is how this works. I think what Snailian is going to do is I think they're going to roll persuasion and they're going to actually um, try to leak the information to the press. Mm-hmm. Um, they're going to they're gonna try... And, and they know right now, with the way everything is, doing this is playing with fire. So they're going to, like, go through... They go back to the library and they look through and they, like, find a reporter. And they actually find one of the reporters who had reported incorrectly before mm-hmm. because it seems like they would immediately post whatever they hear. Um, so they leak just a little bit, just a hair. They don't leak where it's happening. They don't leak how it's happening they just leak a little bit and add the fact that the engineer is involved mm. for that juicy detail that'll make that will like make the reporter just like latch onto it and just start blasting it instead of blasting the engineer for uh their so-called crimes now there's this interesting new facet apparently he's part of a movie what is this yeah also interestingly like the whole uh tirade that's been happening against the engineer has lost a little steam you're not quite sure if uh, a certain person is running out of spell slots or the press are just bored of this angle so yeah this this new angle is definitely going to be of interest uh please roll persuasion 25! Holy cow! Yeah, um, it's a big sensation, especially because you didn't, like, give out too much information. It's, like, a tasty, tantalizing, (gasps) what is going on? There's enough room for speculation. Uh, everybody is talking about this movie, and now you almost have a problem because you have, like, voyeuristic crowds who want to watch the movie. However, you also now have more background actors because, you know, you you succeeded so well in that persuasion role. If there's a bunch of crowds, I know exactly what Charlie is going to want to do. Uh, And it's going to be, um, he's going to use sleight of hand to do a bit of put pocketing. In which, like, little bits, uh, he's got to get it, try and get his hands on, like, a bunch of, like, little, um, uh, like, business card size pieces of paper that just do 10% off, like, any tickets for the film. And then, like, he'll go, he'll go over, like, tell the engineer to kind of, like, yeah, like, price it up 10%. Like, make, like, charge up. <laughs> he's, he's slightly changing your mind on whether you would make a good producer or not now. I mean, that's... Okay, uh, please roll uh, Charlie... sleight of hand. Yeah. Okay. Oh, no, sorry, you were going is... to say something. I talked over you. Yeah, no, Ch- Charlie knows how, like, money stuff works. He knows how people think. 
he's just also very distractible. Um, but yeah, that's also a 26. Woohoo! So. Yeah, they love this. And also, like, people realize this is, like, a magic trick in itself that, like, someone has gone around doing this. They love that shit! Yeah, they hate, they are eating out of your hand. Um, and finally, Larry, how, how do you handle this? Well, Larry isn't good at talking to people. Mm -hmm. He does know people like to be engaged in something on their own terms. Mm. So what he is going to do is make a puzzle out of it. He is going to design an ARG <laughs> in terms of marketing, where oh. it's just like there, there are things around the city that like people who are looking can put together and try and figure out stuff about wh what's going on in this movie and like yeah, people getting engaged on their own terms. That's uh, genius. He, he thinks that would be uh, the best in terms of, uh, you know, letting letting the the hype build amongst people. I tell you what, you know who loves setting up like puzzles and shit. All of the birds from Dodo Studios love that. So, like, not only will the engineer definitely give you a hand, but all of the penguins, all of the owls, and, you know, you might even catch someone in a very unconvincing disguise kit who definitely is DJ Moose. Uh, like, lending a hand, because that's the coolest thing ever, man! You get advantage. Hey, cool. Uh, and I guess um, that would be performance, I guess? I'm not sure. Or use the thing for this <laughs> oh. oh beautiful oh, that's already pretty freaking good no, i mean yeah 23 yeah, 23, 23 is, is 20 that's absolutely solid uh the city is just almost paralyzed with excitement because of everything that's going on like you hit them once with the newspaper you hit them twice with the pickpocketing in reverse this Holy cow! Like, people are absolutely just in a spin about this. You couldn't have done a better job. And, uh, yeah, there's, there's, yeah, you, I, I don't know what else to say. You completely, uh, solved my publicizing puzzle. That, you, yeah, and the film is going great. You've nearly got all the scenes. Uh, you're actually doing, like, all the scenes chronologically from front to back. And uh, the engineer is doing this as an old movie technique in case something goes wrong and you have to edit, like, on the fly. You have to come up with scenes, like, changed because of what happens on set. Because while your promotion is outstanding, this is the biggest movie event of the year and it hasn't even been filmed yet. Uh, yeah, he he's aware that you still only have this 50 gold and whatever the Dodo Studios has uh, scrapped together, which is running out incredibly fast. Um... So, yeah, you, we find you filming, after having filmed the bulk of the picture, you, this is a big scene. This is, like, not quite the final scene, but it's, like, it's the low point of the third act. And uh, after filming the bulk of the picture, you set up to film a key scene on the self-same bridge that this whole story began on. This is the iconic bridge across the wide and currently very frozen over Mr. Zippy River. And this scene is a real heartbreaker, and it's where the vagrant engineer has to act really mean and this is to get the kid to leave him. And he's trying to, like, as it were, claim that he has just been using this kid in order to get jobs and to get money. In reality, what he's doing is trying to persuade the kid to go with the nice 
uh, straight men, policemen, and a nice half-elf lady from an orphanage to find a suitable safe home rather than the one they have living on the streets because he's finally come to realise, like, he can't look after this kid. And, yeah. So, uh, I'm... You know what? I... I think your performance roles before Larry and Shaw's kid was so good that I'm not going to make you roll again, especially with all this promotion. You are completely in this moment. And uh, yeah, I, I would like to ask like emotionally how this affects you, because this is like a real emotional scene. Uh, Larry, I think we will start with you because you have to be, as it were, the bad guy but you're also getting a, a little bit of a redemption scene here because you're pr proven to be trying to do the right thing for this child uh first off larry has been very uncomfortable in the role of a cop she <laughs> <laughs> does not enjoy that very much sorry larry <laughs> sorry um but uh yeah you know by by nature he is not an especially emotive person so the fact that he has done as good a job as he has uh, is kind of a miracle. Um, and yeah, he he recognizes that this is this is more about the engineer and shorts kid than than him. All all he's really interested in is playing a good supporting role for whatever. Uh, vicarious closure the two of them can get <laughs> okay and uh short kid how you feeling uh you're you're trained dad even though you have been fully briefed uh is is having to reject you uh shorts kid is repressing the hell out of this <laughs> no! <laughs> like they're acting right now keyword they're acting <laughs> in that they're being like oh woe is me i'm being abandoned by the one like person who has shown genuine like care and interest in me without stabbing me but like internally they're just ignoring the hell out of that so like um externally they're like it's the big scene and uh, no, just go, just go. And then uh, Shorts Kid is like, no, I won't go because I love you. And then there's the big like uh, climactic hug on the thing. And uh, I don't know, probably a train horn. I don't know. There's got to be more train stuff in here. And uh, then uh, after eventually the they're like all right cut that was a pretty good take nice job uh shorts kid is then just like all right yeah we're done we mm. never have to do that again hate to tell you this kid but uh, the scene is ongoing this is a long take also uh charlie and snailian you are presently filming this and isn't it delightful when everybody knows that you're making a film because you get friends coming out of the woodwork and there's this you know there's this group of witches who are really helpful. They've flown all the way over from UPA and you actually have now uh, got, as it were, free cranes because you have got these uh, flying broomsticks on loan. Uh, what I need Snailian and Charlie to roll real quick is like a dex roll, I think, because you have to get used to using these brooms which have been mounted up with two of these cameras. Okay. This is to see how badly or not this goes. 20, very uh, so good. So that's a 20 from Charlie. He's absolutely, uh, like, 
borrowed like heavy labeling on the emph- or, like quotation marks there one of the broomsticks and it's just kind of gone nuts on it whenever <laughs> there's no no filming he's having a great time you are a cat i mean what what cat wouldn't be at home on a witch's broom how about you snailian how are you doing with this old fashioned well, waved flying? i think one thing i think one thing snailian does is absolutely every witch that gets that gets pulled into this they get a silent image hello because i refuse <laughs> to give up that gag it's too good of course of course <laughs> um but i think what they also do is they do kind of talk to the witches about how does this work mm-hmm. how does it work if you're small like how does this work if you're really really small mm-hmm. um and and like they sort of you as as Charlie's just practicing, they're like trying to get the frame of reference for everything yeah. before they start trying it. You could, um, I think, with that argument, you could roll intelligence if you like, like try and do this as a technical exercise. Um, let's see, I'm going to take that. Yeah, let's do that because that six ain't doing it. Another six. No! This broom does oh, not like you, Snowy. Okay, this is hilarious. Okay, fortunately, you, like, have a, have a small amount of time to practice before using this because it's a key scene. Basically, what happens is the the broomstick-mounted camera is given to someone else and you end up manning the camera that's on a tripod on the bridge. So, you know, that's fine. Uh, and you're, like, right up in, in everybody's faces, like, doing the close-up shots for this really emotional scene. Like, you're, you're probably having to check back and uh yeah it's really sad and the scene is meant to end with the engineer having succeeded in uh, like pushing the kid away into the nice lady's arms and the policeman like they're just walking off and he's succeeded in this terrible task and he's leaning heavily against the bridge while the camera slowly tracks out in a wide lonely shot before the cop who is moved by understanding what the tramp's real motivation was he reappears and uh, offers him a job, not necessarily on the police, but like a job that is like his last chance, which would allow him to be financially stable enough to look after the kid, which would be the next scene. However, when the engineer leans on this metal barrier of the bridge, there is a short but sickening metallic sound and it breaks. There's a momentary frozen in midair, oh peck gag as his arms windmill before gravity resumes. And the last thing you hear as the director plummets down towards the ice back first is a command to keep rolling before he smashes back first through the frozen surface and down into the sub-zero waters beneath. Before anything else can happen, the half-elf lady from the orphanage hugs Short's kid very close as if to save them from the distress of watching their adoptive father drown in the icy waters. But as she gently closes a delicate hand over Short's kid's head and mouth, the woman whispers into their ear, no more happy endings. And it is Dora in a disguise kit. And at this point, we're going to take a break. And the thing is, this, <laughs> this, is, this is where the choice happens, because um, we are going to roll initiative, and that will be great. However, like, uh, looking at the time, it's nearly been two hours. How are we all feeling? Do we want to wrap this up here today and continue it tomorrow? Like, start the fight and just do a whole episode that's just this combat tomorrow? Or do you want to keep going? Like, now, today? I'm okay, Personally, I want to keep going. <laughs> I think the question is, how does Maud feel? 
I'm yeah, because I mean, it is it is still morning for me. I could keep going. For you, it's evening. How are you doing? I'm actually okay. Yeah. I have a steady supply of sugar with me and water. I mean, I will take the five minute break to reset my spine because apparently that's an issue after sitting still for like two hours. Uh, I think the game maker is going to be Kai. Are you okay to do this? Uh, yeah, I'm okay to keep going. I, it, it, I, it kind of depends how long do you think the fight is going to go for? Well, that's where I don't know, because obviously I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's it's very up in the air. Like I said, like, no pressure either way. We can stop here and resume tomorrow. I, I would be fine with that. Now let's keep going if everyone else is up for it. absolutely sure? Like... We don't. We don't want to push you, Kai. Yeah, yeah. If, if you're tired, we can, we can tap out. We have the plan to do it tomorrow. That's that's exactly why I set it up. So literally, I I have no opinion on this. No, I, I as I said before, like I'm I'm entirely fine either way. And if more people are voting yes, let's do it. Then like yes, let's do it. Uh, well, I'll tell you what, we're going to have a five-minute break anyway. Take your time to decide if you guys can write, roll persuasion to make Kai change their mind. Their mind. <laughs> That's fine. But, like, honestly, uh, it's entirely up to you. Uh, so, yeah, I'll see you in five minutes. Bye. Do you want to make it a ten-minute break just so that it's, like, straight on the hour when we resume? Or or convince Kai that we don't have to resume? <laughs> That's up to you guys. I mean, yeah, I'll, I'll be back here in five minutes to listen in to what's happening or not, as the case may be. Okay. I'm gonna real quick do the same, but yeah, but like anyone that needs snacks and anything, yeah, go everybody ahead. Run, get a drink, get some food, uh, scream out of the window for a bit, you know, do whatever makes you feel good. Okay, bye. I like, I like how I was like, who the hell is this elf lady that? Is <laughs> oh, of course. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so angry. This is God, I love great. you, but I'm so angry. <laughs> I was very much hoping that, like, uh, it was Dora because, God dang, do I want to stab someone today? <laughs> it just becomes a meme that every single character I play who has magic gets ice knife. God, ice knife. It's such a brutal spell. It is. So I'm just like, everybody gets a nice night. I think the fact that it explodes afterward is yeah, the that's, thing that that's makes, what it makes it brutal. Super, super rough. Oh, baby. Hey, Sal. Sal doing the Lord's work here. Ugh, 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 ugh. And then we get to punch Dora Z dumb person. I'm to kick a butt. Yeah, we get to kick many butt. Or at least we get to kick one butt several times. Well, the the issue is, do we uh go after NG or do we go after her? That is the struggle. Oh, goddamn. But, oh, yeah. But wait, uh, wait, 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 wait. NG is, uh, Bernie Fireman. Bernie Fireman fall in cold water, make water not cold. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. 
true. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just trying to consider every avenue of. I mean, what? that's that's the thing. It, is is this Pokemon rules where he's strong against the ice but weak against the water? Oh, you're gonna find <laughs> oh, out. Oh, that is that. <laughs> I will point out that the engineer has been uh, swimming in an ocean before, and that was not a problem. However, there is a problem, so <laughs> you'll figure yeah. it out. Sell your art is always so fucking gorgeous. I love it so much. Oh, that's right. I can go back into the chat and have a look at what's been going on. Chat, go next. Oh my god! Oh, oh no, that's so cute. Oh, I'm gonna die. Of Little hat. The little hat's gonna kill me. Oh my god, the posing one is really funny. Oh, everything is soft and nice and oh, you are just... Cell, I don't deserve you. God. Do y'all know that I'm like Celebi9's biggest fan? Like, anybody listening to this on Tumblr, whatever, like, follow this artist. They draw the softest, saddest things. That's so good. Oh. L is the reason Charlie has become increasingly fluffy. <laughs> Like, even if you don't follow Cell on Tumblr, make a Tumblr and follow Cell. Yeah, that's exactly Eat. what you should do. Tumblr was made for following this artist. I oh. don't know how you got here if you don't have a Tumblr, but like... <laughs> that's true. Nice to, nice to see you. What's up? I, uh, I suppose I do... The destiny has thrown you towards us. Yeah. Uh, anyway, have, have we come any further on the discussion of if we're playing the rest today or not? Uh, check the player discussion chat room. Oh, yes, that's fair. That's fair. Pop it up. Wait, yeah, we're supposed let's... to be talking there? Yeah, I have no eyeballs. <laughs> I think we should leave it to It's com completely up to you guys, really. I, I think, like... The thing is, like, this has ended at a really good point and I don't want this all to, like, continue and then regret it because we're running out of energy. Whereas, like, if we do it tomorrow, then we'll all be, like, hype times two. That is true. Yeah? I think I think we could, like, have a really satisfying, meaty episode uh, on both days if we split it up. And, you know, if you're all okay doing this again tomorrow, like, I, I think, like, I don't have a preference. But if I did, it would probably be to break it up, let's be honest. Alright, works for me. Is that okay? Yeah, like, I'm like, yeah. I really want to play the rest of the game because I'm impatient as hell. <laughs> but like, I could wait. I, I, I guess... can't do math. I could wait however many more hours there is until tomorrow. Yeah. The advantage to this is that we can roll initiative and do that all off the audio and like sort that out. Unfortunately, uh, I will have to start the fight off with a uh, sneak attack surprise round from Dora because she got there first. Oh, um, also, it's worth noting that she did this very quietly. So like part of the first round is going to be you guys trying to figure out what's going on and if you notice Dora at all. So that's going to be fun to deal with. But I can also give you a map yeah. and like doodle where you are on it. I have a map, but like, you know, I can actually like add some details to it because now I know what the camera situation was because that was important. That whole deal with the brooms wasn't just for comedy. So, oh my god, the, the googly eye sketch of the. Oh my god, you're all so wonderful. <laughs> okay, I'm going to start. Like I'm gonna stop recording because I'll I'll basically edit it to yeah. be stopped when we were like, are we gonna continue or not? And like skip all this. This is stuff. so intense.